Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. God, we thank you um, for this series and just for the way you gently come in and, and just speak to us and you, you hold us near to you. You love us so much, God. We thank you for even your heart that was expressed during our time of worship this morning. God, we continue our worship as we listen to your word now and as uh, we give you uh, this time. It's yours, God. Your fame and your glory is yours. Amen and amen. All right, thank you. Be seated. So I want to talk this morning about the invitation that's been extended to you that uh, you want to make sure you say yes to. And um, that's for us collectively as a people of God this morning, but it's also for you individually. And the invitation is this, that the God of heaven is knocking at your door. He's knocking. And the, the God who spoke the universe into existence currently is standing outside of your door, hitting the button of your video doorbell. And um, we read in chapter uh, three of Revelation, one of, the, uh, stand, one of those letters that Jesus dispatches to the churches of the day. And in this particular letter, it's going to the church in a place called Laodicea. And so down in the middle of the letter, written in red, the words of Jesus, he says, behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. And now we can, can we just stop right there and take that in for just a moment that Jesus is writing to us to let us know, hey, there's somebody on the other side of the door. And, you know, if you felt a twinge and if you felt a pull and if you felt a longing, if you've had a, a friend come by and maybe a coworker or a classmate and say, hey, I just want to talk to you about this person named Jesus. If you've been thinking that there's more to this life, if, if, if there's been something inside that hasn't been filled through everything that you've been able to accomplish on this planet Earth, it could be that it's because the son of God is standing outside of the door of your life. And he's knocking right now. And he said, here's the invitation. If your heart is, op is open to hear, if your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you and you will feast with me. So heaven is standing outside of your door right now. Heaven. And you know what's interesting about this? I've heard this text, you know, preached since I was little, but how many times has someone asked the question, why is Jesus standing outside of the door, right? And, and why, is he, why is he outside your door this morning? And I mean, is it that, you know, he was sent here on a mission from God and he knows you've been bad and so he's, you know, banging at your door and if you crack it open he'll bust through the little chain lock that you've got and want to come in and just absolutely destroy you with the wrath of God is that why he's outside the door knocking that's not that's not the father heart of God right that's not what I read in scripture it, you know it, it, is it like you've been found out no somebody's finally read your mail no <laughs> this is not God coming to give you what you deserve 
Or is it something else? You know, it, why is Jesus standing outside of your door right now? And the answer to the question, I think, is paramount because it's gonna influence how you receive not only this message, but it's gonna impact how you see yourself going forward. And, and so I'm just telling you, before we get into deep this morning, every weekend you've been prayed for, you're probably even being prayed for right now. Because <laughs> just so you know, we just don't roll in here and give talks and play some music and, and you know, send your kids off to babysitting, that's not what that is. You know, we, we know that we're doing a spiritual work in this place, and so we have intercessors in our house and we're praying for more more and more and more are, you know, are stepping up that's, you know, has been on our knees in this place. I'm excited for our next series prayers. And, and, and so, you know, they've been on their knees this week, walking the sanctuary, praying for you. And, 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 you know, it's before you even walked in this place, before you even think about walking in this place. And here's why, because the word of God has the power to change the way that you see yourself. And so that when you walk out the door this morning, our prayer is that, you know, you may not see yourself the same way when you walk out the doors because you've had an encounter with the living God. And so, you know, what you thought about yourself coming in this morning goes away and you walk out with a brand new viewpoint of who you are. Can we just pray for that this morning? Amen. And all of, all of that hangs in the balance of the question, why? Why is Jesus standing outside knocking at your door? And so there are two main reasons. We find them in uh, Colossians chapter one. This is a beautiful text describing the son of God. And it opens with these words. He says, he, Jesus, is the divine portrait, the true likeness of visible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. It's describing all things, which is a very big umbrella over what has been created by Jesus so that no one in this room would feel like, well, maybe everything else on this planet was created by Jesus. Everything else in the cosmos was created by Jesus, but not me. Well, these two verses are very comprehensive. And then he concludes or summarizes at the end by saying it all exists through him and for his purpose through him and for his purpose. So we can put our name in that verse. You were created by Jesus and you were created for him. You were created by Jesus and you were created for him, answering two of the basic questions all of humans have right now, anywhere on the planet, does life matter and why am I here? Right? And we get the answer to both questions right here in this text, your life matters because there's no incidental or insignificant or accidental people in this building. <laughs> and uh, you are created by Jesus and there is no problem of a trillion that you know, brought you on the planet Earth. God is in the equation. And the reason you're on planet Earth, the purpose for which you are here is for God. You were created for God. And so now I don't know about you, but I think that's good news. <laughs> and because I think that the church, the church, 
I'm talking about the church, big church, has done just this fantastic job of somehow inverting the entire message of the gospel sometimes. And we turn the tables on everything that God intended. And we have it this way. This is how we think sometimes. God was created for me. God exists for me. God's there to do stuff for me. I need stuff and God's the only one who can do it for me. Did you know that before God wants to do something for you, because he has a heart for you and he loves you, he created you to do something for him? (laughs) He made you to be in a relationship with him. That's what it's about. He wanted you to be in relationship with him. He created you by himself for himself. Your highest value isn't to give yourself to your husband or to give yourself yourself to your children uh, or to your career. Your highest value on the planet Earth is give yourself to the God who created you for himself to give yourself to the God who created you for himself. That's why Jesus is standing outside of the door this morning. And so can I translate that down just into common language? You are purposed, you are valuable, uh, you are wanted. God sees something attractive and desirable about you that compels him to invite you to be his friend. Now our minds have been tampered with and the deceiver has gotten into our thought process. And so a lot of us would already be thinking something like, well, no way that can be true. God's way too busy for somebody like me. I mean, my friends don't even have time for me, Sean. <laughs> and you're trying to tell me that God has time for me. God, God's doing fine. He, he doesn't need somebody from you know, Box Elder or Somerset or, or Blackhawk or Piedmont or Rapid City to make the equation work out for good. <laughs> He's got all of the apostles and all the prophets and you know, all the patriarchs and the, the 10,000 angels up in heaven. How would he even notice if one of the seven plus billion people on planet earth was missing? Surely God doesn't see me. But see what Jesus is saying <laughs> is quite the opposite. I am actually standing outside on the porch on your heart right now, knocking. Not on a door, but on your door, your door. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And would you open that door? (laughs) Would you open the door? Because if you do something powerful is going to happen. So I want to encourage us. Don't waste your invitation to have dinner with the king. We talked about your health. We talked about your time. We talked about your influence, your family, your pain not wasting all of those things, but I wanna encourage you this morning, don't waste your invitation to have dinner with the king. It's the one invitation that you wanna show up on time for. You know, it's the one thing that you wanna make sure you get it right, that you just don't come up at the end of the deal and say, oh, I thought that was on Thursday. I didn't know it was, you know, on Tuesday. I actually just blanked it out. I was at the gym and I forgot I was supposed to be across town, you know, not that kind of thing. You don't wanna do that with divinity standing at your door. 
And I know right now, the message is kind of going to go two directions. And I could feel it when I was working on it because we all naturally sort of are guilt-leaning people. So I knew the message right about here could start leaning towards, you know, I'm kind of on my heels. I'm kind of in this defense posture. I, I should have spent more time with God. You know, I, I feel a little convicted right now. I haven't had a, a quiet time and say, oh, well, um, somewhere in the year 2017, and I'm not really prioritizing my life, you know, with God. I'm not making enough space for Jesus. I've been way too busy. My life is cluttered. Uh, and, and so I don't, want any of us going that direction this morning. You know, it's, it's fine if there's conviction, you know, and there will be a gentle and loving conviction in all of our hearts this morning because of the invitation. Holy Spirit, though, has a way to speak to our hearts that only he can. And I'll let him do that. But I don't want to lean that way because what that does, again, is it turns the tables on the gospel. I don't want you this morning to say, well, I need to spend more time with God. I want you to be awakened this morning to the idea that God wants to spend more time with you. God wants to spend more time with you. See, what changes relationships, I want, I want you to picture this this morning. Just think about it. It just makes sense. What changes relationships is not just when you see the girl and you're like, man, that is, that is good. That is something that I want. I think that God has laid it on my heart that it's his purpose and his will for me to be, be, you know, be, be a part of her becoming more like Jesus. And so you begin to think in your mind about what it would like in a month or two or a year or three, you go by and you finally decide, well, I'm going to talk to her and I'm going to really see if I can figure out how to get in a environment with her. Somehow, naturally, I can just say something like, uh, 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 hi. Right? And so I'm thinking about it. And you know how you feel, you know what you want, uh, and, and you know in your mind you can see a relationship developing, you can see things happening, and you can see yourself spending time with that person, but relationships explode when the other person checks the box, yes, <laughs> right? And you go, oh, you want to spend time with me also? Wow, <laughs> right? Fireworks, that's amazing. And that is when the explosion happens and where the relationship kind of goes into orbit. There are a lot of you, a lot of us sitting on one half of that right now. I want to spend more time with them or them, but up when you have this reciprocal moment when they say, I would like you to know in the same way, I want to spend more time with you. So let's don't get hung up this morning on the me-ism of this invitation. Jesus wants to spend more time with you. And that's the mind-blowing explosion where the relationship goes to a different level. When you see that you are desired by God, this was always the plan. Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see two things. God created Adam and Eve to, to curate. Well, what does that mean? To take care of, to manage, to, to steward. I made a world, and now you take care of the world that I made. But it wasn't just a job. He also, along with 
creation. He wanted a relationship. So the two priorities of Adam and Eve were to take care of what I made and walk with God. Take care of what I made and walk with God. And the scripture gives us a little that looked like. We know that in the time, the time frame where Adam and Eve sinned against God, it says in Genesis 3 that God came walking in the cool of the day. That's what it says. And they heard him walking in the garden. And we don't know what that looked like necessarily. We weren't there, right? We don't, we don't know exactly what form that took, but we know that it was real enough and tangible enough that there, there was a relationship established between Adam and Eve and the creator of the universe, the creator of the world. And, and when the time came that they were you know, feeling guilty because of their uh, choices, their sinful choice, they were naked and ashamed, it says, and they ran and they hid from God. But think about this for a second. It's not very likely that this was the first time that God came walking in the garden. Right? It's most likely that he'd, done, he'd come often walking in the garden. And even in the beauty of paradise, we see those two things at work. I have a mission for you, but equal to that, I want a relationship with you. I want to walk with you. And it's the very same today. The prophet says it this way in Micah. He says, God has showed you what is good. And so what does the Lord require of you? Love and to what? Walk humbly with your God. A lot of us would check the box. Well, act justly. I, I do my best to love mercy, trying to do that, be a good person. But this is what God asks to walk humbly with me. Why? because he wants to walk with you. <laughs> he wants to walk with you. And so can we change that this morning in our minds? Can, can we maybe ask God to help us change that in us this morning? Oh, I know that God you know, wants me to walk with him. Oh, I, I know, I know. I know I should you know, dial into my relationship with God. Can we change that? This morning, and can we just start saying it a little bit differently? I know that God wants to walk with me. He wants to walk with me. I know God wants to spend more time with me. I, I, I know God wants me to dial into how much he's dialed into relationship with me. A, a little case study for us. So it all went wrong in Genesis 3, but something really powerful went right in Genesis 5. And this is electrifying and whenever you feel led and go for it, go for it. But in Genesis 5, we find the genealogy from Adam to Noah. Um, it starts saying, this is the book of, of the generations of Adam, verse 1. And you're like, okay, check. Okay, let's go to chapter 7 there. All right, the flood. You know, I think I know what happened there. Chapter 7, what do we got there? And just moving on. But, man, if we just drill down and when God created man, it says he made him in the likeness of God. So what, so what is it that God's after in you? Is it, is it your personality? Although he loves your personality, that's not it. By the way, you know, you're thinking, well, I'm a little quirky. <laughs> and he says, I know, I made you that way. I made you a little quirky. Some of you are a little quirkier maybe than even he made you, but there's something else going on in that circumstance. But there's something else going on in that circumstance. <laughs> but you're like, well, well, I have a really dry sense of humor. He gave you your sense of humor. 
Yeah, but I, I a certain kind of made you that way. But I really love to garden. I know he made you to love to garden, right? I'm a painter. I know, well, I'm really into science. I know he's a scientist. He's the scientist. <laughs> he made you like that. I'm Man, I, I just really like to get things done. I know he can create the world that we live in in six days. He likes to get things done. What he loves about you isn't just the way you dress or your personality, the way you laugh or your particular flavor of ice cream. What he loves about you is that he's woven into you some of the divinity of God. Scripture says it this way, you were made in his likeness. What he's pursuing in you is the him in you. He loves you, and he's standing right now, right now, right now, outside your door, ringing your bell right now. If we keep on reading, it says male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he named them man when they were created. Now, this is where it gets crazy. Um, when Adam had lived 130 years, can you say 130 years? 130, yep. He fathered a son in his own likeness and after his image, and he named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. A little fact that maybe you didn't know about Adam. Um, thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died, which is, you know, what you ought to do after your 930th year. Nine centuries and 30 years on top of that is crazy, right? And so Adam had 930 years, and, and you kind of see a pattern as we keep going down, and we've done going down, and we've done this before if you've been around, so I won't take long, but Seth, the second generation, he lived 912 years, and then he died. Seth fathered Enosh, who lived 905 years, and this keeps on going on. So society is kind of falling apart in this story, but in every one of these stories, I mean, look at these years. 930 years, 912 years, 815 years, 910 years, and then it drops down six generations. So we're just six generations down from, uh, you know, where the plan was wrecked, uh, you know, where the plan was wrecked, um, and we find this in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch did what? Walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years, sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch did what? Walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So we find him two more places in scripture. One of them is in Hebrews, where it says about Enoch before he was taken up, that he had gained the testimony that he was pleasing to God. Uh, six generationally, we find someone who doesn't waste the invitation to walk with God. Now, somebody may have said, well, poor Enoch, you know, he only lived 365 years, <laughs> right? His life was cut short. We don't know what happened to him, uh, you know, but all these other people, long life, fruitful life, multiplied life, great success. And here's Enoch, 365 years, a third of the lifespan of most of these other guys. And yet he figures it out. I have an invitation to actually walk with God. And in doing so, I can be pleasing to him. 
Not just that he was pleasing to me, but that I can be pleasing to him. And so when is the last time you heard of anyone, you know, spending saying, oh, it was incredible. I had the best time with God. Um, It was so special and so precious and so amazing. I just felt his love. I felt his closeness. I felt um, like he was speaking into my life. He was just pouring into me. He was just building me up. And that's amazing, right? When we have that kind of time with God, he was just blah, 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 blah. And then they said, oh, and then here's the most incredible thing was what I gave to him. (laughs) I just poured out my life him. I just gave out all of my praise to him. I just lifted him up as high as a human being can lift him up. I just adored him. I exalted him. I edified him. I poured back into his life and I just spent most of the time just telling God how amazing he is. Here's the deal. We've acclimated ourselves, many of us, to walk away from time with God, and how do we do it? We do it the way that we do everything else. It was all about what God did for for me, what God said to me, how did he make me feel? And Enoch, I think, figured it out that God does make me feel amazing, he does, he's a good God, he loves me, and he loves to do things for me. But I can also make God feel amazing. Because I was made by and for God, for relationship with him. You're like, well, God is God, so you can't change God. I know, but he's given this opportunity. Do not waste this opportunity and the invitation and the privilege it is to come into relationship with him. And that relationship is a two-way street. And I want to tell you, you need to, we need to think this one through. Even though he is sovereign and unchanging over the centuries and the eons of time and eternity, somehow, I don't understand it, your relationship with him means something to him. It does. Your relationship. And it does something for him. And Enoch figured that out and he said, I don't want to just live 900 years and you know, have a bunch of kids and a bunch of grandkids and great, great grandkids and a big nest egg and a bunch of success and then die and have the epitaph of my life to say, and then he died. Can you imagine Enoch's friends? Have you, have you seen Enoch? You know, he, he hasn't been around lately. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and here's the question. For you this morning, do you want what Enoch had? Do you want that? I want that. If that's still an option, I want that. If anybody can have that, I want that. And can, I can just picture in my mind, I don't know if you've ever tried to do this before, Enoch and God walking together. And I don't know if you know, God was in a body or what that looked like, but he was close enough to Enoch that Enoch knew that this is real. (laughs) And one day, I don't know, they were talking and enjoying life and maybe God squeezed Enoch just a little too hard one day and Enoch was gone. (laughs) I mean, maybe God said, whoops. I don't think God says whoops. Uh, Maybe, (laughs) but you know, he says, you want to go back? You know, you've got like 600 more years, Enoch. And I think Enoch would just look at him and say, oh no, 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 no. I'm good. 
I, because my whole goal was to walk with you. <laughs> this was my, this was what I was aiming for all of the days of my life was just to walk with you. <laughs> so question, why wouldn't we open the door that Jesus is knocking on? Um, you're, you're thinking this morning, Sean, why wouldn't we open that door? This seems like a silly question. And how is it possible still standing outside? How is it possible that Jesus is still on the stoop? Well, I think that there are a few reasons why the door. I think number one, we don't open the door because we can't hear him. Because the music's too loud, right? What do you mean by that? Well, some, some, some of you have neighbors and you know what I mean, right? The music's too loud tried to knock on their door, and they're like, man, we couldn't even hear you because the music's too loud. Literally in their house, right? But I think figuratively, it happens to me and you and all of us where the music of this life, the noise and the clutter of this life gets so loud, we just can't hear Jesus knocking at the door. Timothy said it like this. You need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. And then this is the final indictment, as if all those things weren't enough. This is the final nail in the coffin. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. And that scripture just goes right to my heart because I know it's true. I know it's true. I know that there are things that I get up for more than carving away time to open the door and have a meal with the Son of God. I know that there are things that fire me up more than opening the door and having a meal with Jesus. And the irony of it all is, you know, I'm going to heaven. I, I, I want to go to heaven. I, I'm looking forward to that day and a lot of you are looking forward to that day, but isn't it ironic that we're looking forward to an eternity with Jesus when we can't work him into our Tuesday? And I think that we have misfired on that somewhere along the way and maybe somehow we've just lost our appetite for intimacy with God. Maybe uh, you're like that today. Maybe the door isn't open because you know your business is going too great. Because your pace of life is just too fast. 
um, because there's too much to watch on Netflix. Like when you get home, you can't wait because I've got two whole seasons of something that I'm trying to get through and I'm excited. Maybe your next vacation has already been planned and you know you just spent 50 hours online looking at the different places that you could go, the different flights that you could take and the different places that you could eat and the way that you could maybe squeeze in one more outing in the budget that you have. We're just too busy, honestly. Busyness is an American disease, isn't it? And I think it can be found true of us that we, I'm talking about as a culture, are lovers of pleasure more than we are lovers of God. So to open the door, we have to be able to turn down the music and the noise so that we can hear the voice of God. I think uh, uh, we don't open the door. This one's a little closer to home for some of us, and I share this for a lot of the people that I know in the room right now. It's because we're too busy working for God to actually spend time with God. Uh, I, I tell you, it's common even for those who genuinely love God. I think if you go up to even most believers and say, are you spending as much time with Jesus as you want to be? The response is not often, oh, Absolutely. The, you know, and that's probably from you know, people who serve on staff at a church. We're in that boat, and I'm guessing you're in that boat, and I'm guessing that a lot of us in here are on that boat. We can get so busy working for God that maybe we're replacing working for God with walking with him. And maybe somehow we're getting our fumes off of the things that we do for God, and we've lost the aroma of actually just sitting down and having a meal with him. Revelation 3.20 is all about that. Um, and this is what it says about the church at Laodicea. He says, I know all that you do. <laughs> I know all this stuff. So God already knows the big list of things. He knows, he understands. And I also know that you're neither hot or cold and I wish you were one or the other. There's, that's a strong word for us. And there's a bit of weight to the fact that heaven's on the other side of the door and God's knocking on it and he's saying, I really want you to be all in. In fact, if you're in the middle, I would just rather you get out of the middle and pick no or pick yes, but the middle is really complicated. I created you for me. And it's really not doing a thing for the world if you're in the middle and they're looking for an answer. And so God is saying to not get caught up in the middle. I wish you were hot or cold, but he said, because it's not working out in the middle. He said, you claim I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. I think that's the picture of a lot of us in this world. I got what I need. Life is good. And he says, no, you don't have what you need because what you need is standing on the other side of the door. He said, I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. So can I, can I just say that a different way? If you walked in today and there's shame in your life, if things have gone wrong in your life, if there's uh, you know, brokenness in your life, sin in your life, all that can change by your opening the door to Jesus and receiving him and, and righteousness to cover all that you've done. I heard a testimony uh, this week from a girl who used to dance at a gentleman's club. Um, this was a club that was just literally within eyesight of the church that, uh, building where she uh, was sharing this testimony. And on, on a night when um, 
she was at the very, very, very bottom. Uh, she came to work and she could barely even deal with, you know, kind of the pressures of life that night. It was at the bottom of the pit. And she ran into some people from the church across the street who had come to the break room that night to pray with the girls in between their shifts dancing. She had an abrupt encounter with these ladies and finally, uh, came to the place, God softened her heart and she shared while she'd been driving to work that night, she was trying to get up the courage to drive her car off the road and take her own life. Instead, she walked out of that club that Friday night and she went into a safe place in her town for people who have nowhere else to go and she had no safe place to go that night. And she entered into this multi-week program and she stayed in the program met Jesus a few weeks later in that program and came to a church service and was baptized across the street on the spot that same day. And to rebuild her life, you know, from the questions like, you know, how do you balance a checkbook to how do you keep a schedule? How do you, how do you plan a meeting if I'm going to uh, go into the work environment? How do you wash clothes and fold them? Her child had been taken away from her uh, for a season, and so she learned how to be a better parent. Um, and, and here she was standing, not perfect by any means, in white robes of the righteousness of Jesus. And you're like, well, I don't even go to Sean, I wouldn't even put myself on the same level as somebody in a place like that. Oh, but we're all on that level. <laughs> we think we have it all together and none of us have it all together. We're good enough and really none of us are ever can be. It's his righteousness that covers us and makes us whole. To this church, this is what he writes, purchase eyesalve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see all those that I dearly love, I unmask and train. So repent, have that metanoia moment, that aha moment, and be eager to pursue what is right. It's possible that maybe we're not opening the door because we're just too busy being in the church building. And we've got our Bible and we've got our stuff and we've got our people and Jesus stands there knocking saying, I'm at your door. I've, I've got an app on my phone and I could pull phone and I could pull it out um, right now and, and it'll bring up a live view of whatever is happening in the back door of our office building over there in about two seconds. A ring doorbell, some of you have them, it costs about $99 and, and right now I could see a live view out of the ring doorbell out, out of the, the side door of the office. And uh, if you ring that doorbell um, and I have turned on, it alerts my phone anywhere I am in the world. And all of a sudden, your picture comes up on my phone standing outside of my door. Um, and when we first installed it, we found some interesting video of our staff. Uh, you might just want to watch this. Anyway, that reckon, second, reckon, 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 reckon. What the Holy Spirit's going on anyway? Can't even get in the door anymore. Pastor Lyle, he loves the Lord, but he's still working on controlling his tongue some. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're, you're like, you know, I need to get that. $99. It's amazing. That technology is so advanced that it will allow me to see somebody standing uh, on the other side of the door from anywhere I am in the world. But yet somehow, spiritually, we've not progressed and we're still not listening to the voice of Jesus on the other side of our door. And so there's one last reason why you wouldn't open the door and it's because you think that things in your life 
such a mess. That there's no way that you're going to open the door to let Jesus in. That ever happened to you? People show up that you weren't expecting. You're like, oh my goodness. And you did like the 96 second overhaul of your apartment. <laughs> and <laughs> you ever done that? I had no idea that, you know, my parents were dropping by, you know, stuffing clothes in the refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're raking things under the bed. You're putting things out on the balcony and you're closing the drapes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of us, we might be in the room right now thinking, I do sense that Jesus is out there, but there's no way I can open the door with the wreck that I've got in here. And here's the most beautiful thing about this morning. The one knocking on the door has scars on his wrists and he's already paid the price on the cross by his death and burial and resurrection to make it possible for you to be forgiven right as you are and to have a relationship with him. And here's the cool thing about Jesus. He can see through the door. <laughs> he already knows what's on the other side. He sees the wreck. <laughs> he sees the mess. And so he didn't come to your, your door and go, oh man, that's a lot of problems in there. I think I better just go and leave. Wow. Nope, he's just knocking anyway. And he says, oh, I see all of that stuff that's in there. And uh, I understand what's in every closet. I know what's in the attic. I, I know what's in the basement. But I also know that I have scars on my wrists and my feet. And I've paid the price to stand at this door. And it will swing open on the hinges of mercy and grace and my love and the blood that I've already shed. And that door can open the day because Jesus has already paid the price for you to welcome him into a messed up world. And in that moment, he will come in and start a relationship with you. So I want to encourage you this morning, this is the big idea for today, don't waste your invitation by beginning to fully enjoy now what you expect to finally experience forever. What I'm telling you is you can have your cake and you can eat it too. <laughs> you can fully enjoy now what you expect to finally enjoy forever. And then when you get to heaven, it's gonna be a seamless transition, not a shock and awe of Jesus you know, coming up and saying hi. And then you going, hi, I'm so excited that I'm here. I'm, I'm, I've got eternal life. I want forgiveness. I want to go to heaven and see all that you're prepared for me. I want it all. I want to go to heaven. But hello, do you realize, we, talked, we said this earlier, heaven is not so much a place. Heaven is a person. And we are the bride of Christ. And heaven is standing. <laughs> He's standing at the end of our road, waiting for you and me to welcome us home, not to a place, but to himself. And all of us Enochs in the place who are endeavoring to walk with him and to align our lives with him and to obey him and to, to become you know, congruent with who he is and what he's about, we're learning that he pleases us, yes, but we're also learning that in our trust and in our obedience, we can please him. And he's giving us what no one else can get, but we're also giving him what no one else can give. Because no one can give God my affection 
but me. No one can give God my worship but me. And then when that moment comes, and it's coming, when that moment comes, when we are face to face with the creator, it's not an awkward transition. It's just a seamless conversation where we just move from one dimension into the next, into a relationship, an eternal relationship with Jesus. Don't waste the most precious invitation by beginning to fully enjoy next experience forever. So what does that look like? Where's the starting point? Well, for someone in the room this morning, the starting point is faith in Jesus or watching online. It's, it's, it's for the first time ever in your life opening that door and saying, I need a savior. I need someone who can forgive my sin. I need uh, someone who can guide my life. I need someone who can fill up the void that's inside of me. And I believe it's you, Jesus. And so I open my life. I open my mind. I open my heart. I open everything about me to you. Please come in. Forgive uh, the wrongs that I've done. Change my life around. I want to know you and I want to follow you. And somebody in this building is going to make that decision in just a few minutes from right now. But for all of us this morning, it's an awareness. Simple prayers all through the day until it starts to kind of click in our minds. I just want to give you these three prayers, some action steps that you can take this week to kind of walk this out. God, will you help me here? Will you increase my ability to hear your voice? One of the most important things we can do as sons and daughters of the king of the universe. Can I, can I hear your voice to hear the thing that I need most in my life? Prayer number one. Secondly, God, will you hasten my yes to open the door? Will you quicken my heart to move my feet, whether it's two o'clock in the afternoon six o'clock in the morning or in my car on my way to class or I'm sitting in class or I'm on my way to a business meeting or waiting in the carpool line and I hear your voice. Will you hasten my ability? Will you quicken my response to say yes and just fling wide open that door and say, Jesus, let's spend these moments together right now. Let's go. Let's go on this adventure together. Join me in what I'm doing because I want you in the story with me. And then the last thing is just aligning my steps with his. I want to go on a walk and I want to follow in his footsteps. Lining up with what he wants for me. Because when I do that, I unlock his ability to reveal more of himself to me. I want that. And so I hope that you'll just make a little mental note that you don't get everything about God on day one. It doesn't work that way. Well, I prayed the prayer, Sean. <laughs> and so I'm sure God's gonna show me everything that there is to know. And I'm just gonna ask him, Lord, show me more and reveal more to me and tell me more about who you are. And he goes, I'll tell you when you're gonna learn more about who I am. Start walking with me and align your life with me. Align your heart with mine and obey me. And guess what? You're gonna start seeing way more of who I am. Three simple prayers. Can we just pray these together this morning? Let's pray these. God, will you help my hearing to increase? My spiritual ears, 
so that I can sense when you're there and when you're speaking to me. Lord, I want you to hasten my yes to open the door. I want, I want you to quicken my response when I hear that knocking. And help me to align my steps with yours. Because I know that that unlocks you to reveal more and more of yourself to me. Those are our prayers this morning. God, we want to say yes to the invitation that's on the table to walk with you, to be with you. Like Adam and Eve walked with you in the garden, it was the most natural thing. Like Enoch walked with you, Lord, I want to walk with you. I don't want to wait for the time where my life on this planet is done. I want to walk with you now. And God, I know that it somehow in the mystery of all of this relationship that you've created with us, you want to spend that time with me. And so it's my joy. We thank you for that this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to open up an invitation for somebody to follow Jesus for the first time. And there's nothing magical about this moment, but it's just a, a way for me to give words this morning, maybe a beginning point to your relationship with Jesus. And just as you were hearing this message this morning and hear us talking about it, that's been stirring in your heart, maybe even starting five, 10 minutes ago. And so whether you're online, whether you're here in this room, I wanna give you that opportunity. There's nobody looking around. Um, would you just raise your hand? We, I just, I'm not gonna pray with you this morning. Thank you, thank you. All right, I, I want everybody, all of us to pray together. Let's say this. Father God, I give you all that I am is yours. Thank you, Jesus to my rescue for coming to give me new life <laughs> all that you've done for me I just want to I want to follow you my life is yours I surrender myself today in your mighty name I pray amen and amen